Welcome to Chicana and Latina Moms Podcast. This is our podcast. Un lugar donde hablaremos sobre la salud mental, cultura, como chicanas and Latina moms. La importancia de self-love, self-care, self-compassion. Y el recordatorio que somos chingonas. Y que esta es una revolución y una evolución para crear la mejor versión de nuestro ser. Because we can. Because calladitas, no more. You're listening to Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. The content is not intended to replace or substitute for any professional counseling or therapeutic advice. Hola, Chicana and Latina Moms. ¿Cómo están? Espero que estén muy bien. Um, ahora tenemos a una chingona guest speaker. Se llama Sandra Núñez. Hola, Sandra. ¿Cómo estás? Bien, bien. Gracias. Yeah. You know, gracias por estar aquí. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I know we had a lot of uh, schedule issues, but we made it happen. So thank you so much for your patience. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, okay, let's start by the question that I love to start in the beginning, which is, ¿Quién okay. eres? Who is Sandra Núñez? Who is Sandra Núñez? That's a great question. I love that question. It's just so hard to answer. Yeah, sometimes um, it is. It's hard. Yeah, very hard because you know, I'm still trying to figure her out. Um, so, Sandra Núñez. Um, I am a mother of four who has a passion for education and has a passion for empowering other women. Um, I was a nurse for nine years, so that's part of my identity as well. Um, but Sandra is someone who is always open to help others, always open to listen, always open to empower and motivate others. Um, And again, like I had said, you know, I'm still trying to figure her out because for a while I didn't know who Sandra was. Uh, I lost yeah. myself in trying to, uh, you know, in motherhood and, you know, trying to get to schooling and trying to survive my relationship, my past relationship, you know, that I forgot the things that made me. Yeah. Um, so uh, my this journey just started for me, again, just trying to figure out what brings Sandra joy and who I am. Um, but for the most part, you know, my identity that I hold is being a mom, you know, being a mom and then being, you know, who I am on my platform, which is, you know, just me. Is I, I'm very vulnerable, very transparent. Um, as someone who has a passion for education. Um, so. Nice. Yeah, that, I, I really think that's, that's narrowed down who I am right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that because definitely we sometimes don't know who we are and it nos cuesta tiempo, you know, and based off experiences to be able to say like, okay, now I get it. I went through this hardships and now I understand like who, who, who I am and who I want to be. And yeah, you know, you're definitely right. Motherhood, we can lose ourselves. It's like always the kids, always the kids. And in the culture, right? Like, Ya estuvo, 
ya tienes hijos, ni modo, ya se acabó tu vida, kind of thing. And it's not true. Yes. It is not yes. true. Right? Yes. And I see that shifting now on social media, especially, is for years, you know, when I grew up, it was more so, you know, you're a mom first, you're a mom first, your kids first, your kids first. And now on social media, you share, put yourself first. Yes. You know, find out who you are, what brings you joy, you know? You're, you're, you're you first, and then you're a mom. And it's like, that's really hard to break out of that. Yeah. Out of, out of that idea that we grew up with and now you know social media and society is changing that narrative now so now we have to learn how to shift into oh wow yeah you're right you know what i do need to put myself first how am my kids going to be happy how am i going to guide my kids and teach my kids if i'm unhappy myself yes. if i'm not fulfilled yes you know so it's just trying to break that narrative or understand the new narrative that they're creating or they're yeah creating for moms now yes it's tough out there. It is. It is. You know, um, for me growing up, <clears throat> I would always um, see like the older women in my family and I'm like, why are they letting themselves go? Like, why did they yeah. like not care of like putting on like a cute blouse, or, you know, or like dyeing their hair or like working out? Right. Like I never saw that around me and I promised to myself, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to just lose myself, you know, and it sucks, you know, that uh, others are like, oh, I want to, but I don't know how, or I don't have the support of the spouse, but you yeah. know, it's, it can yeah. be challenging. It's not impossible though. That's for sure. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, you know, you shared with me, right. Um, in your bio that you were in foster care. I was. Yeah. So, um, how old were you? Um, I went into foster care, uh, I think I was, I want to say 14. Okay. 14. Um, I was, my mom had left me when I was 11. Um, so I was living with random church people, church family. Um, and then I got pregnant at 13. So I feel like that's what triggered some, whoever it was. I still don't know to this day who made the phone call. Yeah. But they literally just showed up at the house that I was staying at with my son, and, and they, they took me in. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, I, but yeah, I believe I was 13, 14. 14. Yeah, about 14, because my son was already born. Oh, uh, okay. So okay. And um, his dad was also the same age, or was he with you, or um, you guys uh, were living together? No. Um, and his dad? Yeah. Oh, um, unfortunately, um, I, I was actually raped when I was 13. I'm sorry. Um, and that's how my son came about. Okay. So I have no idea where he is, but um, yeah, that's just something that... Uh, it comes up a lot because of my age um, that I was at, at that time. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't have any contact with him. I have an idea where he lives, but that's absolutely it. I yeah. Don't know much more about him. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that, but, you know, it's not, you decided to keep your son. Yes, I did. Wow. I, did. I sure did. Wow. I felt like I had a lot to prove, you know, being that my mother had left me at 11, and I felt, you know, the things that my mother was doing. So mm -hmm. I felt like, you know what, I, I can try. I, let me let me take a jab at this and see if I can do better than her and be better, you know? So yeah. I said, why not? Let me just keep him. Let, let me figure this out. I, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I, I knew that. I, I, 
Now yeah. I look at my girls, you know, when they were 13, and I'm like, damn. I know. I how, bet. how did I do that? How, how did a 13-year-old have a whole baby and raise him? I, I, I still can't. Wow. Still, I still sit here, and I still think and reflect on, on that when I see other 13-year-olds. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it's, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad. I mean, at that time, I wasn't happy that I was in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hated life. I hated the system. I hated the people who were trying to help me. Um, but now that I'm older and I reflect on a lot of things about my life, I see what was happening and I see that things happen for a reason. Don't and then that moment, you don't realize that. You don't yeah. think about that. You know, I was so young and just ready to, you know, just do what I wanted to do. And I, I now look back and I'm just like, wow, if that wouldn't have happened, what would have happened to that? What would have happened to her son? So I feel like getting this, going into the system really kept me on track. Um, it allowed me to have people who set rules for me. And yeah. that's something I needed. I, I needed the grounding. I needed the, the stability. I needed that. And luckily and fortunately, I had my last round of foster parents. They were amazing. And I still talk to them now. Aww. So I was quite blessed to have them open their doors to me and my son. Wow, that's really nice. And, you know, there's really good people out there, definitely, to be able to make an impact. And so you were, um, at 14, you already had your son. So when you went to foster care, did you stay with your son or did they separate you? No, I stayed with, I, he stayed with me. Oh, okay. Um, there was a time when we talked about separation because a lot of the homes didn't want a teen parent. Yeah. They were willing to take a teen, but not a teen parent. So uh, I definitely did get lucky that they allowed me to bring my son with me. Oh but my gosh. The, it was, we were talking about the separation part, and I had ran away at one point because of that. Because um, I'm like, no, you're not going to take my son away from me. Like, dude, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I've heard many stories of that not going well. So I literally just ran away. I'm like, no, you're going to give me what I want. You're going to hear me. And mm-hmm. if you're not, I'm not going to mess. And it's done. Okay. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So, but they ended up finding someone for me. So, I'm very, very lucky. Wow. That's so so nice. And kudos to you. You know, I admire you because, you know, I know there's a lot of other women that would choose to, like, how can I have a child from someone that raped me? Um, And that's, that's beautiful, that decision that you made. And only you knew in your heart was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and look at you now, right? It's, you have, um, you graduated, you know, with being in sociology. Um, you're educated chingona, <laughs> like your Instagram <laughs> name. And that's really awesome. That's really awesome. So, so then you were uh, 14. How, um, how long were you in the, in the system? Uh, now I believe the age is uh, up to 21, and that was after me. I wish that was at that time. But, yeah, I was 18, and I was emancipated uh, voluntarily. I wanted to be emancipated. Um, I was just ready to leave. I was just, I thought I had it all together. I thought I was ready to face the real world and just be on my own with him without the support. Um, but life quickly showed me that I wasn't yeah. right after that. So, but yeah, I was, I was in there for about four years okay four years um so how how did you do it like where did you go after that I mean you moved out it sounds like right yeah. after that I mean there's a program called just in time and I'm from San Diego originally and that's where I uh, was in the system in San Diego 
Okay. And, uh, they helped me with uh, with housing. They uh, helped me. Well, they helped me apply for Section Eight, and then I applied for uh, their program, which they helped for initiate the apartment and whatnot. And they would help me with with uh, a portion of the rent until I was accepted uh, by Section Eight. Um, oh, okay. So that was one of the requirements from the judge. Like, you want to get emancipated, you have to apply for Section Eight. And I'm like, all right, fine. Like, let's do this. You know? Yeah. So. After that, but right after I got out, I had this idea that my mom had changed. I had this, this I was holding on to hope that she was a different person. Yeah. Um, so I gave her another chance. Uh, she was living in Michigan at that time. So I think I, whatever money I had saved that my foster mom helped me save, I used it to buy plane tickets for me and my son, and I flew out to Michigan, mm. um, hoping that it would be good. And it was, definitely was not. Um, you know, we just yeah. have this idea that what moms are supposed to be and how they're supposed to be. And, and I held on to that for a long time until I couldn't. Um, so that wasn't a really good experience and it wasn't really a good decision on my end, but I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it because yeah. I learned that, you know, sometimes you just have to walk away from the people you love, mm-hmm. um, cause they don't have good intentions and they're mm-hmm. not willing to fix what's not broken and if she didn't think she was broken then she wasn't going to fix it exactly so, yeah um i ended up coming back to california um so yeah that, that's that's what i did right after and when you came back were you still on the section eight like nothing changed or i know t- no, it, no i hadn't been accepted by section eight yet oh okay um, but when i came back uh that's when all the paperwork started for the uh the just-in-time housing, and I got an apartment uh, with me and my son. Uh, they, and who was I? I don't even know what I was doing for work um, at that time. I don't remember as much. There's certain parts that I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I'm in the middle of, like, I'm, I'm almost done with my book because I'm trying, I've been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. There's certain parts of my life that I don't remember. I'm, I've literally gone blank on certain parts Yeah, of that my happens. Life. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't remember certain parts of that, of what happened right after that. Um, during that time, though, I was uh, dating somebody, and um, he had, he was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were like six, nine months together already, and he ended up passing right before I came back from Michigan. Uh-huh. Um, we were engaged as well. Um, so I feel like yeah. that's the reason why I can't remember a lot because I was experienced, I was dealing with not only the mom thing, the, the, the emancipation and trying to, you know, figure out housing. And then I was trying to figure out how to deal with losing him. Yeah. Um, so there was yeah, a lot of grieving, of right? It was a lot. It yeah. Was, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. It's it. Have you ever felt like in your life, like when you at that time, right? Did you ever feel like, oh my God, all of these bad things are happening to me? Like, did you find yourself like just having this anger and and frustration and feeling like the world is here to be against me, not for me? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I I definitely went through those moments, and I still go through them now. But in that moment, it was, you know, that sense of abandonment, you know, yes, again, I was 11 tough. when my mom left, I was 11 when my dad got deported, 
I lost my siblings, and then I went into the system, foster home to foster home, and then after that, you know, the social workers would come and go. Um, The yeah, just feeling like everybody who was supposed to be in my life for a long time to help me would leave. And yeah. of course, he didn't leave just to leave. I mean, he, my my fiance passed away, but still, it's still yeah, still that sense of damn. Like, when is this? When is someone gonna come into my life and say, like, when? And the only person that did that for me at that time was my son. You know, he was the only mm. one that was there. He was the only one that I ever had control over to stay and keep. You know, so yeah, it was it was just one of those things where like, when is this gonna stop? When is this gonna stop? Like, I get it. I I, I learned my lesson. I, I I'm, I'm living. I get it. But I, I want neediness. I, I want, I want, I want a soft life. I want, I don't want to be, you know that word resilient. It's yeah. very, it's thrown around left and right. I don't like it. To, I mean, it, it makes sense. I get it. And I know some people, you know, proudly use that word. Yeah. But I feel now I'm at a point in my life where I'm just done. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be resilient anymore. I, I don't want to have or face other things that, add to my resiliency. I'm, I'm good. I'm good there. Yeah. In that department, I'm quite, I'm, I'm an expert at that point, at this point. So I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. And at that point in my life too, I just felt like giving up would have been easier. Yeah. And I also understood my mother. I understood why she left. I understood why it was easier for her to walk away. Mm. So I've forgiven her to an extent. Yeah. Because I understand that life did get hard for her. And I understand that she didn't have support. She didn't have someone to turn to to help her with the bills or with groceries or whatever it was that was stressing her out at that time. Yeah. Um, I get it. I get it. Um, but I also get that it's not, it's okay to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. And I'm learning that now. Yeah. So it's just, it's just one of those things that, hey, it's it's tough that question yeah. that feeling I think it follows well it's followed me throughout life like even now going through this you know separation after 13 years I'm just like damn another one like why like why can't I why can't I keep one like why doesn't it work for me why yeah. can't I find someone who's gonna do good by me yeah you know it's just like it just follows me and that feeling and those thoughts and just so that moment that I did have that you just mentioned, like, you know, is this ever going to get easier or whatever it may be? I, I, I still have, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of us. Oh, yeah. So we just sit there and just contemplate on, on life and how it's going and how it's been going. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I hear you. And like, you know, in regards to the resilience, it's like, okay, that's enough. Okay. that You know, stop. There's, I don't, yeah. like you said, I want to have like a soft life. Right. And. Um, yeah, it's, it's really challenging sometimes to accept the reality of things, you know, especially like, you know, mentioning with your mom. Um, I don't know if the issue with, with your mom was more of her character or was she a substance user that you struggled with? Cause I know you mentioned your dad was deported, but since she was a single mom, um, it, it she just couldn't do it anymore. She just left or was there like substance abuse? issues uh i from what i know from what i have heard you know she grew up in texas and she didn't have a teenage life she was working she couldn't go to school her her dad was abusive the mom was abusive um so i feel like at that point in time once my dad got deported mm-hmm. she felt the need to relive her youth 
Okay. Um, so she started drinking. She started going out. She started losing weight. She started doing drugs. And she fell in love with that lifestyle because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing she didn't have it when she was younger. Yeah. Um, so when she went in, she went in deep. And she forgot that she had kids to worry about that couldn't take care of herself. Yeah. You know, I'm all, I'm all for going out. I'm all for, I mean, I do it. I go out. I go drink. I go dance. I, I party. But I come home to my kids and I make sure my kids are fed right before I leave. I make sure I come home safe. I make sure I check on them, you know, and text them and see how they're doing. I don't just leave for years at a time and say, you're not mine, you know, type yeah. thing. Um, so for her, it was more so just, I guess, she had a taste of freedom, a taste of living, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. she just left all her responsibilities behind. Yeah. And so at that point, her priority, her priority at that point it was meant. It was meant. If she didn't have a man in her life, she felt like her life was over. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm hearing you speak, um, who taught you? Like, was it your, like the foster parents that you were with? Or where do you think you got that, that way of being as a mother? I, you know, sometimes we tell our mothers, well, some people will tell their mothers, like, you've taught me not to be like you. Right. Yeah. But we still get these examples of mother figures around us that we kind of take here and there from others. Right. Like who was that one person? Sometimes in therapy, we say like, you know, that angel in the nursery and that angel in the nursery is that one person that made a big difference in our lives that made us feel heard, seen, you know, and validate us and that showed us what, you know, that it's like, wait, like I am valuable right like who was that angel in the nursery for you um for me i would have to say i mean i grew up with a group of girls that i went to i mean the last grade i attended was sixth grade but within those years of school i met some amazing friends of mine that i still talk to now um and i remember going to their houses quite a bit um you know, to go eat and hang out and yeah. whatnot. And I remember their parents. Mm. Um, I don't know. Take your time. I've never really said this out loud, so it's weird. Uh, I remember how attentive their moms were when I'd come over. Like, hey, Sandra, can you have a sandwich? Mm -hmm. You know, just asking, like, how are you? Yeah. Um, just seeing them, you know, get to school with their food and their snacks and then getting picked up from school, you know. You know, things like that that I would see when I would go over or when I would hang out. I yeah. always told myself, like, that's the mom I want to be. I want to be that welcoming mom. I want to be that mom that offers their kids a damn sandwich, you know, and it's yeah. make it for them. Yeah. Um, just being able to see all of my friends with their parents and their families really showed me what I, how I wanted to mother, how I wanted to be a parent. Yeah. And at the same time, just watching my mom be her, I, I knew what not to do already in life. I knew I would never do the things my mother did to me. So I had an amazing role model on that. Like, don't do this, don't do that. I, just by seeing my mom, by yeah. watching my mom, I already but by visiting my friends and witnessing their mom being mom. Yeah. The nurturing yeah, mother right. figure, right? Yes. 
person. Yeah. And I, I was just a friend, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just a friend. And even now that I'm older and I go around to same people, because, I mean, we're still friends now. Yeah. I, 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 they're still like that. They're like, I need a full massage. You know, I'm just like, it's just so welcome. It's so, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so I'd have to say that that's, that's what did it for me. That, that was one of my role models. There was yeah. about six of them. So. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice to hear. And I think many could relate, you know, to going to the friends' houses. ¿Quieres un taquito? ¿Qué quieres? You know? Um, yeah. And it, it, it's nice because, yeah, we, you know, as young girls growing up, as Chicanas and Latinas, and, you know, you would try to find, like, ¿a quién me...? A quién me me puedo identificar, you know, and some, yeah. some can say they grew up in a more white, predominant white area, and they're like, why, I was just me, but either way, like, the family, las tías, and how they parent their kids, or, you know, las primas, and all that, we all learn from each other, and that's really nice that you were able to have this beautiful experience with your friend's mom, because ahí es donde estuvo esa luz, you know, yeah. esa luz, yeah. y, and this, and I think that you know, we always we always try to you know put ourselves in position because we're all we've all been there. It's like la oscuridad. Okay, mejor me quedo en la oscuridad, aunque no quiero estar en la oscuridad, pero me voy a poner en la oscuridad. Pero sometimes we forget that there's so much light, and light is obviously brighter than anything. Yeah. And those those um people in our lives that make an impact in a positive way, even people, right, that are yeah. not that don't have good intentions towards us and trigger us, help us grow. It's crazy just how life works, but it's, it's uncomfortable <laughs> for sure. Very, very. And I even remember when I had my son, I mean, I didn't feel judged by their parents. A lot of people did judge me because they didn't ask, you know, and it was hard for me to talk about it. Back yeah. And it was embarrassing. Yeah. I really wanted to say something, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I'm not ready to talk about it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to open that floodgate for more problems in Sandra's life. Yeah. Because you know, then social workers and you name it would have popped in. And I, I didn't want to deal with more in my life. You know, so, but these parents, these moms never made me feel lesser. They never made me feel like I was a, a burden. They never made me feel like I was a problem to be around their daughters. Mm. You know, and when I had him, they were like, oh, you know, tú sal con las niñas. And then we go to the store to go, you know, 7-Eleven to go get chips and, you know, yeah. Arizona, Coke, whatever it was, you know. And I had that support from them. That's and nice. It was really nice to have and see that, you know, there were other women out there willing to help and support me, you know, without me even asking. You know, they saw me and they knew what age I was and they had known me before that. So it was just very nice, you know, to be accepted. To yeah. Accepted and not feel like, I, you know? Yeah, that's really so, yeah. nice. So, yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. But, yeah, that it sounds like you definitely have, you know, because you continue to have that support system from your friends so, and, and their parents, and that's beautiful. You know, that's why they say family is not just blood, right? Family exactly. are those who are friends, too, who are willing to to go above and beyond. For you yes. so that's really good so tell us about your education journey like you know it's 
it's not a lot of people can get a degree. It's not impossible. And I mean, doesn't doesn't mean that we all need a degree to succeed. Everyone's journey is different. But yeah. tell us about like your journey. That's pretty awesome. Like, you know, what made you get into sociology? Oh, sociology was something literally last minute. Um, I was a CNA for about seven years, I want to say, seven uh-huh. years in San Diego. And nursing, that's just something I've always wanted to do, nursing. And I feel like that's because of my childhood. Yeah. Growing up, wanted to be that helper to fix things, you know? Yeah. Um, and I I became that CNA as well because I do remember um, when my fiancé passed away, I was uh, six months pregnant, and... I remember going to the hospital to try to go see him the last time, right? Mm-hmm. And there was this, and all I, re- I remember hearing the news, and I, re- I, I remember waking up, and there was a lady right in front of me. Um, she was an African-American, you know, black nurse, and she was just touching my face very softly. She was just telling me to breathe. She was telling me to breathe. She was, you have a baby inside of you that's depending on you. You need to breathe. And... When she, when she told me her name, I remember that that's a name she had mentioned before. Mm-hmm. She was like, there's this nurse. She makes me feel human. She doesn't make mm-hmm. me feel like a cancer patient. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow. Like, she should go in there and joke with him and just like, hi, not just your patient. Yeah. And I told myself, that, that's the impact I want to have on people's life. I want to make them feel human while they're going through whatever it is that they're going through. Yeah. I want to be that for somebody, you know? So I went into nursing and received my LVN. In 2013, I want to say, I became 14. I became an LVN. Mm, um, nice. And uh, fell in love with that. It, it was definitely overwhelming. Uh, I did reach a few burnout periods, for sure. Yeah. Um, so then I went to Mount Sac for my associate, because I'm like, okay, I want to become an RN now. So I went to Mount Staff to receive my associate's degree. Um, but I took a sociology class as one of the prereqs. Uh-huh. And I fell in love. I fell in love with sociology. I fell in love with the idea that uh, there's a lot of things in my childhood that I can fix by simply learning about sociology. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I can... Uh, how does that, how do I say this? Um, a lot of things that became, that made more sense to me about like my parents mm. and my tias and primas and stuff that I don't talk to anymore. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things now make sense because of the classes that I took. So it was more than just me learning. It was more than just an educational experience. It was a healing experience. Yes. Um, and I fell in love with those classes. I fell in love with everything that I had to offer. So I changed my major. Okay. From nursing to sociology. Yeah. Um, while, 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 when I was at Mount Sac. And that was towards the, I was already done with all my STEM classes. I was done with all my prereqs for nursing. Yeah. And I stayed a little longer at Mount Sac to complete my sociology degree. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a shift. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how it happens? <laughs> yes. But it works hand in hand. So I'm like, okay. They I'm do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And that's where I actually 
started my platform is when I was at Mount Sac in 2019. That's when I started that. So sociology is what pushed me to that, for sure. Nice. So you have goals to get a master's in? Yes. Okay. I do. Okay. I do. I'm still figuring out what it is I want to do with my master's. I don't know if it's educational leadership or a business uh, MBA. Mm-hmm. Or a PNTA, a public administration. Okay. So there's a lot I want to do. So I really have to slow it down a little bit and just tell myself, Sandra, you can't do it all. You cannot. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do everything. I want to work in education, but I want to work with foxies, but I want to work with nonprofits. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? What, what do I? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this yeah. is now that I'm thinking outside of the box, is getting uh, my master's in business administration and just trying to run my own nonprofit that caters to education and foster youth. Yeah. Um, to provide scholarships for women in college. So yeah. if, if it's not out there for me and if I don't want to work for others, why not create it? Oh, right? so, oh my God, yes. Something that I'm literally thinking about um, with my master's. So yeah. For that big piece. That's so good because there's a lot of funding out there for nonprofits related to foster care because it's needed. Oh my goodness, it's mm-hmm. so needed. Oh yeah, because if you think about it, you know, fostering. I think it was the number last time I I researched. It was two percent received their bachelor's. Two yeah. percent of fostering. Two. Yeah. That that's unrealistic. That 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 means the support is not there. Yeah. Yeah. So we need that number to go up. That's true. And sometimes the system themselves don't educate them. Like social workers, some, and I'm not going to say all of them, but there's some that don't give this knowledge to these youth to say, hey, if you do this, this, and that, by this time, we can give you funding to go to school and, you know, empower them. Sometimes it's just like, I mean, I get it. Every county is different. And there's a lot, the caseload is ridiculous. But I mean, man, you know, not not yeah. letting these kiddos fall through the cracks, you know. Oh yeah, sure. and I, honestly, honestly, I don't remember them ever talking about college. Yeah, college it was sucks. Like, you need to get a job. You need to get a job and immediately. It was in college. I didn't know there was funding. I didn't know there was programs. I didn't know there was support for fostering and teen moms. Like I had no idea at all that yeah. it was out there. You know, so now that's what I strive to do is just talk about these programs, you know, and uh, like I tell people in the, where, where I'm at now at the nonprofit, in the nonprofit world, things like this come up and I'm like, wait, hold on, speaking from experience now, this is what we need to do. Yeah. This is how we should approach this because of my experiences. And I remember when I was at Mount Sac working, I got hired on as one of the student workers and I was um, the, working the front desk. And there's this young girl that walks up. She looks so nervous. I just, I, I felt her. Yeah. And I was just like, don't worry about it. Ask me whatever it is. There's no stupid questions here. Ask me anything you, you want. And there's a lady standing next to her, and I'm looking at her like, okay. I already had a sense that she, she was a social worker. Oh, uh, so okay. Like, oh, I'm in foster care. This is my social worker. And this lady's on her phone. She's literally Oh, my her gosh. Phone. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, so are you enrolled? Are you registered? And we started talking or whatnot, right? And I look at the lady. I'm like, are you a social worker? She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I need you to be a social worker right now and guide her and help her. She's Good. Like, <laughs> I was like, she's quite nervous, and if you're here to be with her, be with her, and I'm going to need you off your phone. Oh, so nice. You're, very, you're, you're discouraging her by simply ignoring her, but being here. 
I get that just by being here, you're doing your job. But being a social worker, there's a little more mm-hmm. when this child is getting ready to exit the system and start a new journey. Yes. And I was speaking because I saw little Sandra right there. And yeah. I saw how lonely it was to know that I had people that were supposed to advocate for me, who were supposed to support me and help me, but weren't. Yeah. And that really pissed me off. I'm like, you're standing here. This girl's so nervous. Do oh. your job. Help her. Yeah. That's so good. I gave her my information. I gave her my number and I said, Nia, anything you need, any questions, text me, call me. You know where I work. I'm right here Monday through Friday. I'm here to help. Oh, that's good. And I'm just like, I know. Why, why bring her here to help her when you're just on your phone ignoring this child? Like, no. That, that completely pissed me off. So I'm just like, there's a lot of things the system needs to fix. Oh, and sure. I feel like mm-hmm. the only way the system is going to get that fixed is by people like me who have lived through it, mm-hmm. who have experienced it, and who's sick of it. Yeah. And we're going to use our voices to amplify that change. Talk about the ugliness of the system. Yeah. Because it's ugly. It oh my god, it really is. It really is. And then that makes me just think of how it's linked to human trafficking. There's so um you know, sometimes well, most of the time naive in into how to navigate this world, obviously, right? Because at a young age we're all naive at some extent and and yeah. this human trafficking is no joke. I mean, after even watching the sound of freedom, it's just like, Oh my god, it's so sad and mm. you know, it's have you seen that movie yet? Sound of Freedom? No, not yet. Oh my no. gosh. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, but you know, you're right, you know, that there's these social workers, some that are just there for the paycheck, you know, yeah. and just the routine versus the de- dedication. And, and, um, yeah, I hope, you know, it would be great if people were to really check themselves and be like, am I really just here for the paycheck? Because if it is, I'm doing a disservice. If this is unethical, let me leave, you know? And they don't. And it's like, fudge. It's like, come down. on. Yeah. It yeah. sucks. And, then, you know, there's amazing social workers out there. I've connected with many on my platform. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, yeah, there is hope. There definitely is hope. And I'm glad they're showing up on social media now. I'm yes. glad they're speaking up. I'm glad that they're holding people accountable now. Because back then, there was no social media that would hold people accountable like mm-hmm. there is now. You know, so I'm glad that they're showing up in these spaces where it's very much needed. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's, you know, slowly but surely it's going to get better. And we just need to be a little more vulnerable when we're sharing certain things. And yes. not back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's courage to be able to speak up, you know, calladitas yeah. no more kind of thing. No so, yeah. So what are some three um, takeaways that you can share for the listeners based on your life experiences and because I'm so sure there's you know listeners that can totally relate to you to your story if it's for some you know situations or maybe all oh, you know, sometimes you never know right but um what advice would you give to these to these Latina and Chicana moms um that just feel like man I've been seeing so much like negativity in my life. Okay, honestly, I don't even think I deserve a good life because there's always something bad that just, you know, que va a pasar. You know, what what are some three takeaways that you can share? First and foremost, I you know I have experienced very dark moments in my life where I felt that, where I felt like I'm just better off not being here. But I do want to say, 
that the world is better with you in it, don't give up. It does get better. It does get better. Um, just take those moments and reflect on the happenings in your life right now so you can embrace and wholeheartedly take in what's coming. Um, we get so lost in the busyness of life, the busyness of being a mom, the busyness of just everything that we hold, regardless of what it is that we do career-wise or where we work, because our work consumes us too sometimes. Yeah. Um, so just, just remembering and staying true to who you are and doing things that bring you joy so you don't lose track of the you, of, of who you are as a person. Um, because once you lose track of her, it's, it's, it's hard to get her back. Mm. And that definitely becomes a journey in itself. Um, so I think that's like, that's one of the main things I want to highlight is it gets better. Yeah. It definitely gets better. This world is a better place because you are here. And mm -hmm. if you ever need someone to talk to, if you ever need someone to listen to you, I'm always available. You know, I'm, you can find me on Instagram at Educated Chingona or at Chingonaology. Um, I'm a DM away. I get messages all the time. Um, I've gone to the point where I video chat with people on Instagram because they're like, hey, I need, a, I, I need to listen in here. Can you, can you talk? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm here because I get it. I get it. You know, I, and I don't have many people that I can turn to to talk to. Um, so I, I, I turn to my, you know, I platform a lot. And that's where I build community. You know, yeah. I have communities that turn into family. These women that I've never even met are mm -hmm. just in my hype women. You know, they, they, they know how to hype me up. They know how to make me smile. They know how to make me feel better on the days where I'm not feeling my best. Yeah. You know, so just find a circle. Find a group of people that will remind you who you are and remind you why you're still here and remind you why, you know, you continue to keep choosing to go, you know, push forward. Yeah. And, you know, in the piece of education, I know education is not for everyone. And that's something I say a lot. Um, it's not for everyone, but that doesn't mean it's not for you. Mm -hmm. um, give it a chance. Give it a chance. You won't know until you try it. You don't know how much your life will change or shift due to the networking and the connections that you make while you're at, you know, in school. You know, that changed my direction 100%. It changed my direction as not only a student, but as a mom, as a, as a, as a, a woman at Sandra, you know, I found Sandra there in college. I found my people in college. I found that my voice is a loud one and it's appreciated and it's worthy. And I found that if I wait for a seat at the table, it's never going to come. So I created my own table mm -hmm. and I found that confidence in college. So now I carry around my own damn table and whoever wants to have a seat can have a seat. Love Everyone's it. welcome. You know, yeah. and that's why I created my platform, that Chingonazar, I call it, because it, we need each other. We need our stories. We need to know that we're not alone. We need to know that we're not the only ones that get sick of our kids every once in a while. We're not the only mm. ones that need a break once in a while. Yeah. We're not the only ones who cry in the shower or sit in our car for an hour because that's the only me time we get, you know, and... That's why I do what I do, and that's why I share what I share, because life, yeah, it's beautiful, but there's a lot of ugly moments. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of sad and dark moments in life, and I don't, I don't want to hear another story 
of a woman who felt alone or felt like she couldn't keep going because she didn't have that support. And that's why I show up the way I show up. Nice. To let them know you're not alone. No esta sola. Yeah. We're here. We're in one hood. And we're supposed to empower one another and uplift one another. And mm-hmm. that's what I strive to do on my social media. Love it love it like bravo <laughs> I love it I you know and yes you know I heard you say no estas sola and you know there's times where we say it so much it's because at some point we have felt it we have felt alone and we don't want anyone else to feel the way we have felt you know so yeah that is so empowering and thank you so much for sharing your heart and your knowledge and your wisdom with this you know topic of you know foster care education overall your whole life experiences and you know um it's it's really amazing and thank you so much honestly for your time thank you for having me i appreciate it so yeah. much thank you for creating these spaces for us to share our stories and just highlight you know what needs to be highlighted. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. All my pleasure, definitely. So thank you, Chicana and Latina moms, for listening. And stay tuned for more. Adios. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you so much for tuning in the Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Chicana underscore Latina Moms podcast. And also, don't forget to leave a review. Gracias. Hey, my Chicana and Latina sisters, please do not forget to leave a review and give me your feedback. I would really appreciate it. This also helps other new listeners know what we're about. Gracias.